I personally feel like every time we, or the time that we spend greeting one another gets longer and longer each Sunday. I love it. <laughs> Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Again, that would be Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Let's all rise for the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart and get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. May God be blessed by the hearing of his word. Please be seated. All right, well, good morning, everyone. Um, Yeah, you know, there's a lot of exciting things that are happening this month, and, uh, you know, today we have our ministry fair right after service, and then after that, the next three weeks, we have our missions conference, and... I'm excited because I think for me, like the ministry fair, the uh, missions conference, these are all great opportunities to put our faith into action, right? Um, That, uh, you know, we are, we've been blessed so that we can be a blessing. We've received so that we can give, um, that we have received salvation and we know Jesus so that we can go out into the world and actually be the representatives of Jesus. And so this, to me, is what's exciting about uh, Ministry Fair and Missions Conference is that we have great opportunities as a church to exercise our faith, exercise these spiritual muscles. And, um, you know, without, without just stepping out and without um, taking action, then our faith, as James says, is dead, right? Um, you know, what good does it say to say, I have faith, but there's no action behind it? So this is really uh, the way that we show that, demonstrate our true faith in Christ is that we will exercise it uh, by serving and giving ourselves and um, being used of God in whatever capacities and gifts and ways that God has given to us. And so that's, uh, that's what's exciting. And uh, I'm also excited because I submitted a chili entry today. I will not tell you which one it is, but I think you will really, really like it. And I'm expecting a reward for my hard, earned, my hard efforts in making this chili. I spent like three hours. So, and I got to say, it is, it's pretty good. I know I'm supposed to be humble, but, you know, I got to speak the truth, and it is pretty good. So, um, so I'm excited about that, actually. Um, I know these little things excite me. <laughs> but anyway, um, well, I'm excited uh, for us to go into God's Word as well and uh, to really hear from the Lord and to see what 
you know, the Lord wants to uh, just impart to us uh, this morning. So please join me in the word of prayer. Father, uh, we do thank you uh, this morning. Lord, as we sing these songs together, as we worship, as we uh, come together, uh, we're reminded that Jesus Christ, you are Lord and Savior. Uh, You are king and you are seated on high. And uh, you're the one that we really put our hope, our trust in. And Lord, today, uh, Lord, my desire, my prayer is that Christ himself would be exalted uh, through the preaching of your word, um, that Lord, you would take your word and Lord, that you would remind us, you would uh, move our hearts um, to know what it means to follow you, Jesus, uh, to follow you wholeheartedly, um, to hold nothing back, uh, Lord, but let us run this race with perseverance and let us run um, towards you, Lord. And would you uh, guide my lips? Would you um, fill my heart? Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to your sight. Uh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, and may you receive the glory. Amen. Um, well, I want to share with you that, you know, the past two weeks have honestly been some of the most, like, kind of craziest couple weeks I can remember in a long, long time. Um, it's been kind of emotional in a lot of ways as we dropped off our daughter, our second daughter, Sophie, to uh, UC Davis. Uh, that was two uh, Sundays ago, and she was crying. Uh, I started crying. It's like, oh, man, you know, and uh, yeah, just to see our second daughter go off for college. Uh, shortly after that, the following week, um, you know, we had a very short time span to move into our new home, and uh, we had a very limited few days to, like, uh, Mimi and I, like, after, like, long, like, kind of hectic days, we would just pack up our, all our earthly possessions into these little boxes, you know, and, and then just make all these several, several trips uh, late into the night, uh, back and forth, and just really, it was, like, nonstop, uh, just pretty exhausting. And then the actual move date was uh, last Saturday, which coincided with our board and staff retreat day. <laughs> so I was there at the board and staff retreat while Mimi's at home and, you know, overseeing this whole move. I felt really guilty, but what can I do? It's like, you know, I got to be there. And I'm getting phone calls in the middle of that. Like, things are, like, not working out well. Uh, it's, it's just, and then the very next day, uh, well, this is Monday, uh, I go down to Oceanside. Uh, our house is still a mess, but, you know, there's this pastor's gathering that, you know, I, I signed up for a long time ago. I'm there. It's, it's you know, and then go there, and I meet with Danny over at uh, Exponential Conference in Irvine from Tuesday to Thursday, <laughs> right? That was, it was a good time. Um, you know, these are all good things, uh, and I, I am very grateful uh, for these blessings. Uh, they were, you know, these are all very, very good things, and I have really nothing to complain about. But, um, you know, it's really felt like four different storms just colliding on our little boat. And we're just kind of getting rocked back and forth. And uh, honestly, like, just being feeling really exhausted. Uh, just very, just worn down to the bone, exhausted. Uh, it's been emotional. It's been physical. Uh, a lot of things happening. And uh, a lot of times, you know, just during this time, I mean, it's just like, you know, from time I wake up to very late at night and all these things. And um, a lot of times I just felt really desperate. I just really like, ah, Lord, like help, you know, like help me. Like I'm just feeling like overwhelmed right now. Just please, Lord, help me right now. 
and uh, just feeling like, you know, just things are out of control and, uh, you know, things are just rocking back and forth and, you know, feeling like, man, what is, <laughs> you know, just not feeling settled at all. And I began to realize that this feeling of desperation that we feel, whatever that it is that you're going through, um, it could be health issues, uh, it could be things going on at work, um, just whatever circumstances that you face in life, sometimes we just feel like things are just completely out of control, right? You feel desperate and you feel helpless and you feel maybe overwhelmed and you feel exhausted. And you just think, Lord, help me, you know, help me. And I began to realize that actually that feeling of desperation is not a bad thing at all. It's not bad. Because it's only when we are in helpless and desperate situations that we really draw closer to the Lord. We realize our helplessness and we say, Lord, um, life and circumstances, all these things are just, they're overwhelming. It's out of control. And I need you. I need your help. And we feel that deeply in our, in our lives. You know, it's, it's rare that when life is just coasting along and there's no issues, there's no problems, um, there's no, like, challenges or difficulties, it's rare that you are, like, just actively pursuing God during those times, right? Um, when, when life is going really, really well, it's very easy to just get very complacent, very comfortable, very settled. It's like, same thing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, the weekend, you know, I go to church. But it's very easy to just kind of get complacent, go on cruise control. But it's when you are put in situations when you feel like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Or this is overwhelming. And uh, the heat is on. The pressure is on. This is when this feeling of desperation can really cause you to really draw near to the Lord. And this is when there's opportunities to really seek God. Well, the story of Bartimaeus, uh, the story that we just read in Mark chapter 10, is really um, the perfect story to just talk about this, this spiritual principle. That desperation is actually a good thing. Desperation is a good thing because desperation and helplessness put us in a position to really experience God's power and his grace in fresh new ways in our lives. And this is what we find in the story of Bartimaeus. Um, this story in Mark chapter 10 that we just read is a very special story. Why? Because in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark records all these series of miracles here in these first 10 chapters, but this is the final miracle that Mark records. Okay, this is it. So there's something special about this final miracle that Mark wants to tell us about how the spiritual life works, about how Jesus, um, why he came to this world. And Bartimaeus, as we see in the story, uh, he's this beggar, and Bartimaeus would have been one of many, many beggars that would have lined uh, the road of Jericho at that time. And 
um, as he's sitting there along this uh, road to the town of Jericho, uh, Bartimaeus would have been very, very familiar with the hustle and bustle of the city, all the trade and commerce of uh, these women who are chattering on the way to draw water from the well, and um, the priests taking their turns to go into the temple uh, from Jericho to make that day's journey. Um, he would have been familiar with all of that that's going on, and in the midst of that, being lost in all the shuffle, you know, people just ignoring him because he's just another beggar lining the street. But this particular day would be a very different day for Bartimaeus. And the reason why is because this is a day that Jesus is going to enter this town of Jericho. And as Jesus is going into this town, Mark records that there is this great crowd, right? There's, I mean, there is, there's this crowd that's surrounding Jesus. Um, his popularity is on the rise. And Bartimaeus would have heard about Jesus, his, his many miracles. Um, he would have heard all the different stories of all that Jesus has done. And um, he would have formed his own opinion of Jesus. And he would have wanted to hear from Jesus, right? He would have wanted to experience Jesus' healing. And with all the commotion, now as Jesus goes into this town, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus gets his chance. Jesus is coming. It's like, this is my opportunity. Not only to hear the stories about Jesus, but to, to uh, meet him and to encounter him and um, to have this opportunity but he had to act quickly right before it's gone because Jesus is going right through. And so we find ourselves in the story. Uh, here we find in verse 46, uh, going back uh, to what we just read, Mark records, And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Verse 47, Mark records, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's crying out, and he sees Jesus, but even as Bartimaeus is crying out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me, um, he still doesn't get Jesus' attention. He's crying out. And the, the entourage is moving on. But he's still not heard. And then verse 40, 48, Mark says, And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Right? Be quiet. You're making a scene. Like, just like, you know, just be quiet. Right? But Bartimaeus I mean, he's not phased by what the crowds think. He's not phased by the people around him. Uh, he just keeps pursuing. He says he's desperate. And when you're desperate, you don't care what people think. You know what you want. You know what you have to do. He still hasn't gotten Jesus' attention. So he acts even more. Uh, he acts even quicker. It's verse 48. He said, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He, he cries out even, even louder, right? He's, he's just, he's pursuing Jesus. And verse 49, and Jesus stopped and said, call him. He finally got Jesus' attention. 
call him. And they called the blind man, this Bartimaeus, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. He finally got Jesus' attention. He calls for him, and Jesus hears, and Jesus extends this invitation, call him. Now, the reason why I think that Mark puts this story right here at the very end as a final miracle that he's going to record is because this is the final picture of how we actually experience Jesus in our own lives. Uh, this is really the spiritual life. This is how it works. And I just want to say a couple things about this, of how we experience God's saving power. But first thing is this, that we know this. Very simple. Okay? Nothing profound, but this is the way it works. It's the blind who receive sight. Okay? It's the blind who receive sight. Bartimaeus... He's poor. He's blind. He has nothing in this world except his cloak. That's the only thing he's got here in this world. He's cut off. He's isolated from people. He literally has nothing. And I think that Mark is using Bartimaeus as a physical picture to tell us that this is what it means to go to Jesus, is that you realize you've got nothing. Just as Bartimaeus is poor, he's blind, he's desperate, he is a physical picture of all of us spiritually. Poor, blind, desperate. Um, and Bartimaeus is persistent. He doesn't care if he makes a fool out of himself because he's desperate. Hebrews 11.6 the author says this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God, to him, must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Those who know their desperation but seek after Jesus, seek after God, God will reward this person, their desperation for him. This is a person that God rewards. When you know that you are helpless, right? And when you know that, you know, hey, I've got literally before God, um, I'm blind, I'm, I'm poor, I, I see my sin, I see, uh, I see what I deserve for my sin, I, I see these things, but I desperately need Jesus. You are in a good, good position to, to receive God's power and grace in your life. This is the place to be. I remember um, when I was an Air Force chaplain that one of the most fruitful ministries I had and one of actually... One of the most joyful, to, to be honest, was uh, when I was assigned to the prison, the prison unit in, on the base, the prisoners. So I'm the one in charge. Every time there's a new prisoner that gets uh, locked up, I'm the one 
who's called upon to visit with, with the prisoner, to see them, to check up on, upon them. And I remember there, there was this one prisoner in particular that was very, very different from all the other ones. Now, if you visit prisoners, um, they will either be very bitter and they will blame the system and they'll, you know, they'll be filled with self-pity and resentment and they blame everyone else but themselves, all right? That's one type of prisoner. And so they're kind of just bitter at life. They've, they insist that they've been mistreated and all these things, uh, that they're victims and whatever. And, uh, but a second kind of prisoner that I found was a kind who was very humbled, that, you know, they're, they're in this prison, they're introspective, they're kind of wondering, how did I get, you know, wind up in here? They're reflective on the choices that they've made in life and all of those things. And I remember one of the pris- this one prisoner, he's the most memorable that uh, I had met, and his name, well, he was, senior, he was a senior master sergeant, which was also another distinguishing factor, uh, but senior master sergeant Gregory. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the, the military like rank system and all that, a senior master sergeant is the second highest non-commissioned officer in the military, in the, in the Air Force. So if you look at his sleeves, um, you know, if he's wearing his uniform, you would see a bunch of stripes, <laughs> like covering like basically half his arm. In other words, this guy, he's pretty high up there, okay? He's not, he's not just an ordinary Joe in the military, okay? Uh, this guy was a very, very high-ranking non-commissioned officer. He's only sitting behind, rank-wise, what's called the chief master sergeant. And uh, so that was very unusual. You don't find too many high-ranking people in the prison. But he was senior master sergeant Gregory, and he'd been put in prison. Why? Because he'd been caught dealing drugs uh, around the base. So because he'd been caught, instantly uh, he's sent there. But what's interesting about him is this. When I saw him, uh, he was not filled with anger. And he wasn't filled with self-pity. He wasn't filled with any kind of um, yeah, bitterness at all. In fact, he was filled with the very opposite. He was very, very joyful. He had this huge smile on his face. He says, welcome, chaplain. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's just like, he's just so like, he has this sweetness about him. And he starts sharing me his story, and it was just, uh, you know, it was just really fascinating because he shared with me his spiritual background and how he had been to church for many, many years. But even though he had been to church for many years, um, you know, he was disconnected. And it wasn't until that he finally got caught and he had been put in this prison that he finally met Jesus. Not from the church, ironically, but he met Jesus. He really met with Jesus at the very lowest point in his life. Because that's when he saw his desperation, but that's when he saw, he realized how much he really needed Christ. And Jesus met with him right there. And if you see Senior Master Sergeant Gregory, um, he was just filled with the joy of knowing the Lord. He had this sweetness about him that even at his very lowest point, when he realized, I've lost everything. I have nothing. I mean, I've lost my career. I've lost my, my uh, military like status. I, I've lost it all. 
but he realized he had Jesus. That's when the real change took place in his life. You know, what's true of Senior Master Sergeant Gregory, what's true of Bartimaeus, uh, what we see here is this. It's true of us that when you find your place in that lowest place and you turn to Jesus, that's when you receive God's grace. It's your weaknesses, your helplessness that catches the attention of Jesus. It's you calling out to him. And Bartimaeus was so desperate, I'm going to get his attention no matter what, even if it embarrasses me. I don't care. I need Jesus. I think some of us, we're too, uh, our lives are too filled with other things to really need Jesus. Honestly. Um, we don't find our need for Jesus, right? Because we got too many good things that are going on. Good things are good things. We can praise God for good things. But do you know your helplessness before Jesus? Do you know your need for him? Sometimes what we do in our helplessness, in our desperation, is we fill our lives with more good things. And Jesus is just crowded out of the picture. Jesus is nowhere in our lives. Why? Because when we fill our helplessness, our desperation, we're just going to fill it with more activity. We're going to fill it with more busyness. We're going to fill it with different things. And so we don't experience Jesus. But when you are desperate and you call out to Jesus, know this what Jesus does. This is Jesus, catch, Jesus notices him and he says, this is when Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. Jesus has compassion upon the blind, the sick, the desperate. This is the person that Jesus has compassion upon. There are crowds that follow Jesus. But if you look at the gospel of Mark, it's people like, you know, the woman who was hemorrhaging is people like Bartimaeus, these people who were desperate, who, who said, I just need to touch Jesus. I need to touch a piece of his cloak. These are the people that Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. These are the people. That's who Jesus has compassion on. Are you desperate enough to call out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, have mercy. I need you. Romans 10, 13, Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 2, 21, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, he quotes Joel. He says, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You must directly call upon Jesus, upon him, and he will save you. These are people that Jesus has compassion on. And then secondly is this, in verse 52. When you have experienced Jesus, and you've experienced God's grace in your life, in your desperation, in your spiritual poverty, and you come to him in your weakness, and you call upon him, and Jesus gives his grace, he gives his forgiveness. Then look at what verse 52 says. This, will, this is what will mark those who have experienced God's grace. Verse 52 says, And immediately Bartimaeus, he received his sight. And as Bartimaeus received his sight, it says, He followed Jesus on the way. 
He followed Jesus on the way. In other words, after Bartimaeus receives his healing from Jesus and experiences his grace and forgiveness, wherever Jesus went, that's where Bartimaeus went. He left his old life behind. He left his old station behind. He follows after Jesus. When Jesus calls you and he invites you, right, the gospel is both a declaration of what Jesus has done for you on the cross, but it's, an, it's a calling for you to follow him, to follow him day after day. We're talking about this this morning in our gospel foundations class that true repentance is saying, Lord, I am no longer the king of my life. I am no longer in charge of my life. Lord, my life belongs to you day after day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not just Sundays, but Jesus every single day. I am going to take up my cross, deny myself, take up my cross, and I'm going to follow you. This is the life of discipleship. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? I think in American Christianity, we've made it too easy. You go to church on Sunday, you subscribe to a set of beliefs with your head. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And as long as you do that, and as long as you come to church faithfully, you are a Christian. But that is not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity says, I follow Jesus day after day. He is my king, he is my Lord, and my life belongs completely to him, and he can do with my life what he wills. It's surrendered to Jesus. This is biblical Christianity. This is the gospel. When I saw Senior Master Sergeant Gregory, you know what he told me is this, I can't wait to get out of prison because I'm going to tell as many people about Jesus as possible. That was his goal. As soon as I get out of here, I'm gonna, I, just, I wanna just tell people about Jesus. That was his life. Do you remember uh, Grace? So Grace was, uh, you know, she was the one who played the piano for us uh, during the choir and uh, she was with us for a couple of years here. She's studying at um, Cessna University, uh, Seminary, right? And uh, anyway, you know, she's going back to China. I won't specify exactly where, but, uh, you know, she's going back to China. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation with her, and I said, hey, you know, uh, are you looking forward to going back to China? And she goes, oh, yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, I asked her, so what would you think of your time here in America, you know, um, you know, being here in our church? And, you know, I kind of thought, to be honest with you, that she would say, oh, I really, really liked, uh, enjoyed my time here in America, and, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot, you know, from being in this church and all that. <laughs> you know, I was kind of a little bit, um, yeah, maybe it's, I don't know, um, I was kind of expecting maybe something like that, but she, uh, she said, no, no, like, uh, I asked, you know, she basically said, no, I, I'm really, I really want to get back to China. Um, the reason why is because she felt you know, she was describing and um, the difference between American Christianity and the Christianity she finds in China is that she feels in America, here in America that we're just very comfortable. We're just very comfortable. And when she goes back to China, there's a lot of persecution. Like it actually 
costs something to be a Christian. You can't just go to church, you know? Like, okay, I've got my worship experience. I, I want to be fed, and I want this great experience, and I want to go, you know, just be inspired and go back to work and school or whatever. This, it doesn't work that way. Um, and she found that because of the persecution right now that's happening in her area, that Christians are growing. Churches are growing. Um, believers are getting stronger in their faith. And, uh, yeah, that was really like, hmm, it's true. It's very true, right? Even when I was in China, I, I just remember hearing, you know, the same things from the pastors in our area. You know, it's like, oh, you know, with more prosperity, there's more uh, comfortability, but uh, the persecution was not a bad thing for us. You know what the gospel is? is? This is the gospel. The gospel is not receiving Jesus so you can avoid hell. That is not the gospel. The gospel is being willing to go through hell for the sake of Jesus. Um, it's not, hey, I don't want to go to hell. That's why I want Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm willing to follow you even if, it, if I go through hell. <laughs> You know, even if it's not so pleasant. Bartimaeus, he left, he left his, uh, his darkness. He left his old station and he said, now I've got a new way. I'm going to follow Jesus. And guess where Jesus was heading? Straight to the cross. Straight to the cross. True faith is obedience and allegiance to a new king. And this is genuine spiritual sight. Are you desperate enough for Jesus? Are you desperate enough for him? Or is there just too many things that you just don't even feel your desperation for Jesus anymore? Work is too good. Keeps me busy. School, I've got my, my priorities. I've got my goals. Um, there are just too many good things, right? Those are not bad things. We can praise God for that. But has it choked your desperation for Jesus? And are you learning what it means to follow Jesus day after day in surrenderedness? A life of discipleship, following Jesus. We're going to take communion uh, right now. And as we uh, take this communion, um, you know, we, we do this. Why? Because... Jesus, 